If you're an established woman in tech who is creating results and making an impact at work, so your workload and stress just keep growing, but promotions and salary bumps remain a distant dream, it's time for a change. Listen, we all know the tech industry has dramatically changed. It's time your career approach did too. You don't need cookie cutter programs or dusty advice from outdated playbooks because What works for tech bros won't work for you. You need individualized, bespoke support to build your brave career. One that reflects who you are as a woman in tech. I invite you to explore career coaching with me. Get all the details, including prices and client results at tricksteinbach.com. You can stress less work less, and earn more. You've already earned it. Let's make it happen. Bravery is a skill, not a personality trait, and it is the fastest, most powerful skill to creating the career and life you really want. I'm Nicole Trick-Steinbach, the international bravery coach and your host. I'm a former global senior director in the tech industry who's worked in over 25 countries. I'm now a certified and proven coach serving professional women like you all over the world. My promise is that you will stress less, work less, and then earn more. The Celebrate Brave podcast is for you. So make sure you subscribe for weekly brave inspiration, including proven frameworks for career and life success my answers to your listener questions, and powerful conversations with my clients and other brave leaders. You are already brave. You can define what brave means for you and your goals and build your brave. In fact, you're already in the right place. So let's dive in. Hey, quick context for this episode. This episode is actually part one, but as my guest and I were recording it, we didn't realize there was so much expertise, so much information, so much detail that we needed to break it up into two different episodes. So this episode focuses on the resume with a light touch into the LinkedIn, but then there's another episode following this one that dives into LinkedIn. Here's my tip for you. Get your resume out right now. Follow along. Make the changes we get taught by the expert in this episode as you're listening along. By the time you finish, you're going to have a major upgrade in your resume. All right, let's dive in. Welcome. Welcome. This is an episode that so many of you have been waiting for and asking me for and being very persistent. And I love it. Be super resilient and keep asking me because what you've been asking me for is an episode with an actual expert in resumes and then also in LinkedIn. So we have got today, Kate Wade. She is joining us. So Kate is a global CV and resume expert. She's also a certified executive coach. 
And I've said a couple of times on here and in answering questions that when the person who's writing your CV, the person who's engaging with you about designing your LinkedIn, if you're choosing to pay for these things, really needs to be able to ask powerful questions. We've got that in Kate. Kate actually came to me over a recommendation. And then I talked to two other people about Kate. I don't know if Kate knows that. To just verify. Because we got a lot of people offering, but we want to make sure our service providers are the best. Okay. So her promise is scroll-stopping resumes. And importantly, Kate has sat at the table where the C-levels are making the decision. So she knows firsthand what it takes for women to prepare to network, to apply, to interview, and to attain those top levels of leadership in massive enterprises. Now, here's the important part. Even if you are not headed towards top levels of leadership, Kate is going to give you the good stuff, the really good stuff. All right. She is originally from Chicago. She is currently living in Minneapolis for my global audience. It's cold there. That's why you need to know. Wonderful people and it's cold. Okay. And her company is called Get Her Hired. And like I said, the promise there is to write darn good resumes that get you hired. In fact, they're going to be scroll stopping. And we know when the average recruiter is looking at your resume for 15 seconds, you've got to get that scroll to stop and especially the hiring manager. So Kate, welcome. Oh my goodness. Nicole, thank you for that lovely introduction. I really appreciate it. And it is an honor to get to be in front of your audience today. I'm humbly grateful and appreciate the invitation. Oh, I am so excited. I've actually been fielding this question since season three. And I got close once or twice, but I'm really excited to have you on here. Yeah. Is there anything I missed in your intro that you want to share? Well, I I have to say I love working with women. I work globally. So I write CVs for anyone English speaking. And I also work with very cool men. So (laughs) it's not just women. If you're a cool dude who's not intimidated by a feminist, you can also work with me. Yes, that is true. I actually just got, I love that you just said that. I just got a LinkedIn request. It was like, hey, so-and-so worked with you. They recommended you. I see you only support women. And I said, hey, if you consider yourself part of the good old gals network, you'll be, you'll be in good hands. Exactly. Yeah. I I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So to set kind of a red thread for everyone listening, we're going to first talk about the resume and then we're going to talk about LinkedIn. We're going to start off with the biggest mistakes and then we're going to look at those must-haves and exchange a little bit about experience. And the first thing that I want to do is create a little bit of an overarching. So As a former executive myself, I sat on so many interview panels. I hired myself, but I also assisted in, goodness, I don't even know, five times the number of people in interview panels. That meant either one-on-one 
interviews, supporting with the shortlist creation, all the way into being like an actual part of a panel. So someone, one person's being interviewed, two to five of us. That's a crazy, crazy thing to do. But anyways, mm-hmm. being there. And so my experience with the resume, as well as with the LinkedIn, is that every one of us, the people looking at your resume, evaluating your resume, are going to have a different response to the same resume or LinkedIn. So what I tell my clients, really important, is how do you want to present yourself and choose the layoff that, of course, is pleasing to the eye, simple, lots of white space, right? And then uses the language you can stand behind that is true to yourself and lots and lots of figures and things like that. But outside of that, everybody's going to respond differently. I mean, I remember one time sitting in a group and there were five, six of us on a Zoom call and I was totally neutral about this person's materials. I was just totally neutral. And there was one person who was like, this is the best I've ever seen. And then another person was like, this is horrible. We shouldn't even talk to this person. Why are we talking to this person, right? And so it's really about how you want to present yourself. So I just want to start that from a holistic perspective. Is there Mm -hmm. anything I missed, Kate? Just to make sure we get your expert opinion about that holistic view. Yeah, thank you, Nicole. I would add that as you create your materials and think about these kind of, I look at them as career marketing materials. I encourage my clients to come at it from a place of, belonging, that you already belong in that next role. So mindset of belonging, as well as mindset of proof. You don't need to prove anything. You are the proof. We're just setting it on paper. So belonging and proof from an overarching perspective, as you're just kind of getting into this, coming from that mindset sets you up for really uh, powerful success. Oh my goodness. My whole face. Because this is only an audio, right? I don't, re- I don't release any of the video. My face, y'all. I got so excited because that—that's okay. So Lucy, that's it. Yeah, you belong. Mm-hmm. You belong, and you're just showing them the proof. We don't have anything to prove. We're showing yes. them the proof. Yes, yes. So when we start our materials from that place, what we produce is quite different. And if we're trying to justify, we're trying to defend, or if we're trying to prove that we're worthy enough. Bam. Right. So that is total so flip on that is before we even start. Do you, when you're working with your clients, and I know that you do like really intimate work, it's it's really like getting to know the person, listening to them, interviewing them with your coaching skills. Do you find that that's a struggle for a lot of people? Or do you find that most people are like, yeah, 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 of course, I understand. Just got off a call. I do a call once a week with people who are, it's a group call for people doing job search. And one of the topics we talked about today was grief. And Mm -hmm. grief through the job loss, a layoff, kind of that worthiness, that feeling of less than when we do get reduced at a company. I know I've been through that myself. I was reduced at a company I loved. And so what that process of of going through, your career change can be just so emotionally 
challenging. And we don't talk about it a lot in the mainstream about the grief of that job loss and the grief of being a lot of my clients are in a hostile work environment where they are psychologically unsafe in their environment. Yeah. And so again, there's like this fear of inferiority. There's this sense of not belonging. There's the sense of, you know, I'm being gaslit. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I've done this correctly, but then everyone is telling me I'm not doing it the way I was supposed to do it. And so when people come to me, it's, it's really usually at a point of great urgency for them where they're feeling really underappreciated, underseen, underrecognized, and a lot of them want to change that situation. And so it's not unusual that you, when we're in an urgent position mm-hmm. that we come at it from a defensive rather than proactive place. And so if I think about, you know, the mission, Nicole, of what you're working on is like, you are ready instead of having to get ready. We're not going to stress at the last minute because we are prepared because we've been proactive. Bringing that all together with the positive notion of my glass isn't just half half full, it is overflowing because Mm -hmm. I belong and I am the proof and I am ready whenever that shoulder tap comes. Yes. Oh, that is, that is brilliant. Yes. I, oh man, so many people need to hear this and you say it in such a different way than I do. I have an earlier podcast episode. I'll link it in the show notes as well. And it's about how we are always on the market. And so I really encourage people like, yes, there are moments of great transformation where, and I love this career marketing material. Like I'm taking that plagiarize it right now. (laughs) You may have it. (laughs) Thank you. But these materials, right? There are times when we, when they really do need a full and complete transformation, especially when we're going from that manager ish level, Mm -hmm. senior principal Mm -hmm. level into that VP, that director level or VP level and higher. And then I'm sure again, as you get into the C level, right? Yeah. And the vast majority of the time we need to be updating our marketing materials for our career on the regular, right? Going Mm -hmm. into the resume, Mm -hmm. going into the LinkedIn and doing that regularly. I really recommend that people do it at least once a month, set a reminder in the calendar and then go in there. And then when it's time for that big transformation, work with an actual expert who's proven and has the experience and the certifications, et cetera. So let's dive into a little bit more details. What are the biggest mistakes people are making with their resume first? Okay. Or their CV for our global audience. CV as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say that the biggest mistake I have seen and that really holds people back is using, sounds like an an oxymoron, but using a beautiful template. By that, I mean a graphic template with your photo and lots of little text boxes and really complex, but beautifully graphic formatting. Like it looks real, real good. I say, yeah, you can have that resume, but you can use that when you get the interview. Okay. Once you have the interview, you can forward that beautiful graphic resume to all the people. You can bring it with you to the in-person interview and hand it out in color. 
But to get the interview, you need a different animal. It's like not the difference between a salad fork and a dinner fork. It's like the difference between a grilling fork and a little tiny appetizer fork. Okay. Yeah. These are quite different animals. Yeah. So the biggest mistake is using a gorgeous template. I, you know, if you're out in Canva, you see lots of people using Canva. And this is global. I know in some countries where I work with um, my clients, it's common practice to put a photo on a resume. Yeah. I would say if you are applying to an organization that is US-based or Canadian-based or North American-based, do not include your photo. A lot of the women I talk to who put their photos on their CVs tell me that, oh, it's okay because it's illegal to be biased based on a photo. No, 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 no. It may very well be be illegal, but that does not cover the fact that there is so much bias that happens through a visual photo. And I really encourage skill-based, results-based materials. And so removing that photo, if you're comfortable doing that in, you know, in France and Germany, wherever you might be, removing that photo can be very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I I also want to add a little bit more content in there because I did data privacy and security work for a while. Mm -hmm. There's a growing, let's say movement. Let's say movement. There's a growing movement to protect people's PII their personal identifying Mm. information. And if you put your photo on there, okay, and it's a global organization or it's an organization that has service providers outside of the country, they're not going to be able to forward your resume. You just removed yourself from the shortlist. So take the photo off If they ask for it in a different field inside of their workday system or their homegrown system, great. But do we are in a global environment? Take it off so that you don't get pushed out just because they can't forward your materials further for different privacy and data protection reasons in different parts of the world. Take it off, go simple. And also, Let's put a pin in bias because I think that you probably have some gorgeous <laughs> experience there. And like, let's let, let's create some space in this or maybe even have a second interview because that could be really cool too. Okay. So we've got beautiful templates, big mistake. Adding mm-hmm. your photo, a- big mistake. Is there yeah. another one? Oh gosh, I have five for you. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I would say the other thing that I see is the length. So the only time I've written a resume that's been longer than two pages was when I was working with someone in higher education who had a lot of research in their background, and they were required to disclose that in their CV. The only other person I wrote a longer resume for was someone applying to be the chief of police. And they needed to disclose a lot of their background and training as well as their certifications um, and accomplishments. And so that took up four pages. I often see people with people tell me that, well, no, I really have to have three pages there. I can't have two pages. And I guarantee you, if you have more than two pages, you've not, you've not done a good job editing your resume. So 
when the mistake we make is thinking that everything that's important to us is important to our next job. It's great that you collaborated cross-functionally with these 10 different teams to lead a project that, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, what really matters out of that is that you collaborated and that you created a result. And a mistake I see is burying the lead. This is what I call it, where the result gets left off the resume. Oh, say it again. Say it again. <laughs> so this is my next mistake, which is, so it's, it's template and then length of resume and then what I like to call impact or responsibility. So a lot of resumes I see come to me in a narrative format. And maybe you can glance at your own resume right now and see if you see a list of responsibilities, responsible for, responsible for, responsible for. These are narrative statements that tell me absolutely zero about what you actually did. It tells me what you were hired to do. Yes. And yeah. And so then the other variation on that that I find is there's a long narrative that hints, it gives us like a little shake of salt about what the result might have been. And it's at the end of the sentence. Yep. And I really, when I'm working on a resume, a results-based resume, I reverse engineer it. You have to lead with the data. Do not bury your lead. So that's kind of a journalism term for, you know, putting the most important part at the end. Pull that to the front, have the data in the front. I like to use a formula that is accomplished X by manner of Y over Z timeframe. Ooh. Right. So I accomplished this. Actually, the time frame should go next. I accomplished this over this, you know, measure or this mm-hmm. time frame mm-hmm. by doing this. And a lot of people talk about what they did rather than what the outcome was. And so that's the next mistake, I would say. So if I was to take an example, like from my own career, right, I'm going to try to use the mistake first and then put it into what you're recommending for us. So it'd be something like, responsible for team of five to drive strategic initiatives and reorganize the global services organization. I just made that up. And the the correction is decreased time to customer service support by 5% as leader of team of five focused on reorganization yeah, or decreased right. within six months or ahead of schedule or whatever the case may be. Uh, ahead of schedule is not good enough, but I, if it was me, ahead of schedule, no, but I would explode that bullet and I would probably build three bullets. It sounds like an important responsibility that you had, right? And mm-hmm. so something I would say is if you managed a team of five people, did you retain those five people? Where's their high employee engagement? So you're like missing out on a data point there about your leadership, right? The next thing you said, you were talking about increasing, you know, service 5%. And so absolutely. So we're de- decreasing, increasing, there's going to be an active v- verb that we're going to have in there. 
And you're going to want to talk about how this result happened by something else. And the reason why the result will come first is because this is what we what companies pay money for. It's yes. all nice to think about the, oh, they hire for culture, blah, blah, blah. No, what actually gets hired for is results and skills. And so show your result first. The next thing I would explode your bullet into is you said, you know, by reorganizing the team, that has a lot in it, right? So if we pull that apart, what did you actually do? What was the before and the after? Okay, recreate mm. the murder. I like to go Agatha Christie. Recreate the <laughs> murder for me. Okay, like let's reset the scene. Before you came in and reorged, what was life like? Then what were you trying to change when you did the reorg? And what is life like now? Did you achieve that change? And so by exploring that, we just turned one bullet into three. We created three results and impact-based ways of stating our impact. And again, we show up like we belong because we do belong and we show up because we are the proof. We've got nothing to prove. Damn. Yes. Okay. I'll leave that Fantastic. That was incredible. Yes. And we're going to connect later on cozy mysteries, like a la Agatha Christie, but keep going. Number five. (laughs) Number five would be jargon. So a lot of people are talking about AI and using AI for resumes. I personally, I think AI is a great tool. However, it is one of many tools that I use as a writer. What AI will do, you know, and everyone out there can try it out. ChatGPT is free. Go to chatgpt.io or what, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, Mm. go out, give it a try. Throw something out there. You are going to get a jargon, yes, row-filled That's right. statement. That's right. Very masculine, very competitive. It's going to be full of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but, but you can use it to get some ideas, to start a framework or to provide additional thoughts like maybe you hadn't considered before. And so on those biggest mistakes, it's really using words that mean nothing any longer, using a template that is not helpful for you, Mm -hmm. going over in length because you haven't edited. And then, you know, those responsibilities. And are you really going at it from an impact perspective or responsibility perspective? And of course, we had that not including a photo in there. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Cool. That is so good. I just recently was looking at a new client's resume that had been done by an individual who's just getting going. It was like a swap kind of thing. And the amount of jargon about supply chain where I thought, you know, maybe it's because I don't know supply chain as intimately as I know, for example, also jargon, right? Slay, scrum, agile, waterfall, meth, like all of these things from tech. So I handed it to somebody that I, with permission, I handed it to somebody that's around the supply chain and they were just like, yeah, I have no idea what any of this means. So even inside of the same industry, paying attention to the jargon that we use, the acronyms. Oh my my goodness. Goodness. Yeah. People do yeah. not know what a CRM is. It could be, f- first of all, it can be five different things depending on industry, right? 
Yeah. So yeah. like take that moment to decide, is this really something I can leave in here or not? This is so good mm-hmm. and specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what are the must-haves on an amazing resume? <laughs> the must-haves for me are a very simple format. It's like 1995 called and they want their, you know, their Word document back. Okay. Not exactly like that. But again, you know, Canva, beautiful, gorgeous, formatting, color, da 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 fonts. No, we want a simple document that a robot could read. Okay. Have you, if, if, in my state, when we vote, we have to fill in a circle with a pencil very, 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 very carefully, exactly, or your vote will not be counted correctly. Why do we have to do this? Because the robots are dumb. Yeah. Okay. The robots that read our vote only know how to read a perfect vote. Yeah. This is the same as our resume. So if we have really cool formatting that looks really super snazzy, like I said, save that for once you get the interview. To get the interview, we frequently have to interface with the robot at some point. Mm-hmm. We're, we're interfacing with a tracking system, an automation tool of some sort. And so making it as easy for the robot to decipher what you have written is critically important, okay? So a must-have is a very simple format for your resume. I do not recommend using tables, even though, you know, it saves space. But if you have a table on there, the robot can't read the table, okay? So using commas, using um, a larger font size and a smaller font size, putting section headers in the different sections so that the robot can say, oh, they're talking about their education now. Oh, they're talking about their experience. Oh, this is their email address. So using headers to your advantage. Um, With the resumes I write, because I write a scroll-stopping resume, I just want to tell you a little bit about what I mean by that because I literally do mean scroll-stopping. If you look at a document on your computer screen or on your phone, and you're looking at a document. I want all the information with on that top part of the document before anyone has to scroll down at all. I want that top information to convey, let's bring this person in for an interview before the scroll happens. Okay. So this top section, the must have the most important part of the resume is that top one third to one half. And what you must have up there, in my opinion, is a headline. It's a brief about statement that does not have jargon in it. It is a set of key accomplishments. And that a set of skills and the skills can go into two areas, functional skills and interpersonal skills. And I like separating those because when, when we get passed into the opportunity to get an interview, people do want to choose a person they like. And so having those interpersonal skills really tell people the kind of person, how you're going to show up because these interpersonal skills are not going to change. If you're an empathetic person, you're an empathetic person. If you are an inclusive person, you have an inclusive mindset. If you're a strategic thinker, you are or you are not a strategic thinker. 
And so really listing those things out is important. A lot of people call those soft skills. I call them interpersonal skills because the way they show up is how we work with other people. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So so those sections. And I love that you use interpersonal because that is something that I really try to educate as well as just train my environment in. Because when we talk about it as soft skills, first of all, only women have soft skills. Okay. Men have leadership skills. Women have soft skills. And if you want an example, there are two, let's say, key voices or leading voices. One of them is a gentleman named Gary V. One of them is a woman named Brene Brown. Okay. Gary V labeled leading voice of leadership and career success. Okay. Has no data, no research, nothing behind him. And we're stressing the him there. Renee Brown, labeled top guru of self-development, has all of the data behind her, has all of the research behind her, literally has the largest data set for leadership in the entire world, right? And so when we use the term soft skills, we're stepping into other people's biases, claim that interpersonal, like, I'm just going to nail that every time it comes up. Yes. It's an interpersonal skill and it's really important for leadership. So I love that. Yeah. Just for the audience, especially my non-native speaking audience, can you yes. give us an example or a couple of examples of functional skills versus mm-hmm. interpersonal skills? Oh, absolutely. So a functional skill is something that you have learned to do. It is something you could go take um, a class on and get a certificate in. So for example, that might be an agile product manager, that might be finance and accounting, that might be something like, gosh, managing people, right? We can learn to manage people because there are check boxes mm-hmm. that we have next to these things. Can we check these things off? Can we manage people? Yes, I know how to approve time off. Yes, I know how to you know, have a feedback session, but are you good at it? Right. And so the, are you good at it (laughs) is an interpersonal skill. Yes. I'm empathetic. I'm a listener. It's going to be how you show up. It is your intrinsic qualities of yourself that you just can't erase. I'm going to always show up with an opinion. I'm not going to say opinionated on my resume though. I am going to say this decisive. I'm also going to say something like extroverted, you know, That is also something I might put on there. Those are the ways I show up. I'm decisive. I'm extroverted. I'm very communicative. And I'm also a good listener. And so those are how I show up to my job, no matter what my job is. That's what that interpersonal means. That's okay. Great. Yeah. One of them for me is I'm really motivated to learn, to experience right? So I'm deeply curious. That is just something I move through the world with. And and so that is something that for me always goes into the interpersonal because it leads to, if you work with me, well, now I'm a coach, right? So this is literally why people work with me is for me to help them by asking questions Mm -hmm. and then also bringing in actual functional skills. Like how do you make decisions? But that curiosity is a beige flag, right? That says, Hey, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. That's why you want me in your room. 
Or maybe you don't want me in your room because I am deeply curious. Okay. Awesome. So we've got yes. a simple yes. format, no tables. Everybody heard yes. her. No tables. <laughs> Scroll stacking. Yes. So we've got everything at the top. So you're suggesting a headline and about key accomplishments and skills so yeah. that people are already answering the question, ooh, we want to bring her in for an interview. Absolutely. And then the rest just validates it. Right. We spend so much time working on it. And if you start your resume with education, some people do that if they're just out of college, but you know, for the purposes of the clients I work with and Nicole, I think most of your audience, Mm -hmm. we've had some experience. Yes. And so do not have your education at the top. Yes. That top one third really has to convey the full story and then your experience and your education, your certifications back it up. Yes. I love that. And actually your education can be very small. Give them the university, give them the date of graduation. If that's something that's necessary, if not take it off, please. Cause oh, ages I and it's real. Oh, tell me your opinion. Give me your opinion. Give me it. I love it. No dates on no your dates. education. Um, nope. No, I would not. It's my, the, the people I work with typically have more than 10 to 15 years of experience mm-hmm. and HSO, HSO, HSO. Like you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if your degree is in the last 10 years, maybe, maybe have that on there, but I wouldn't. Okay. Okay. So that's a question that you really have to ask yourself. Think about ageism, especially for women and ageism. Gray hair. Mm -hmm. So there's never a perfect. Can we just sidebar for a second? There's never a perfect age to be a professional woman, right? No. You're either too young or you're too old. (laughs) That's right. My golden spot. It must have been some afternoon and I missed it. Okay. Back to the point. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So that's that's really something that one has to think about, right? Do do I actually want to put this date on here under 10 years, over 10 years, et cetera? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And then, so that kind of segues into how I look at LinkedIn as well, mm-hmm. you know, with dates in there and some of the information we have on the resume. So resumes, if we've got a lot of history, if we've got a lot of different careers, sometimes I consolidate that on a resume. Sometimes we just leave it off the resume, but we keep it in LinkedIn because in LinkedIn, we can write and include content. And you can't necessarily write ad infinitum, like there is right. a point where you have a character limit in LinkedIn, yeah. but we also get to think carefully about the reason why we might choose to keep something from 1997 out on LinkedIn oh, as well. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So what I'm loving about the dates that you're throwing out 1995 for me in my head, that was like relatively recently, like sync is coming back. And I was like, what were they gone for like five years? <laughs> Slightly longer. People born in 1995, we see you and we hear you, you're almost 30 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And so for some of us who, like I was working then, right, do I really need to have experience on my LinkedIn or on my resume when the person born in that year votes, drives, is allowed Mm -hmm. to rent cars, potentially has created the next generation, I think that is a question that I gift to my clients frequently. So I'm wondering how you feel for the resume. How do you feel about that 10-year rule, like that guideline of, hey, if it's more than 10 years, 
argue with me about why it needs to be on your resume. That's what I tend to say, but I'd love to hear your expert viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So it really depends. There's no one answer for me, usually because of the way someone's career trajectory might have been. So if they've been at the same company since 1997, there's nothing you can do about that. You, you oh yeah, know, totally. You totally. that on there. Um, but then there are some people who had like experience in another industry and then switched industries. We can leave that off, right? Like that's really mm. easy to leave off. There are some people who have had career breaks and depending on when those career breaks happened, we can leave off things before the career break, right? So I do, I like how you stated that, Nicole, like, hey, fight with me on this. Yeah. Fight me on this. Why should this yeah. be here? I think that one of the main reasons someone might keep the older job list, and there are valid reasons for this, but that's more important on your LinkedIn profile, actually, is let's say you worked at Apple or Google or you worked at Siemens, okay? And you want to be able to say, oh, um, yeah, I worked at Toshiba um, back in, in the year 2000. The reason why we would keep that is so that we can have a network on LinkedIn. And that's why it matters a little bit more on LinkedIn than on your resume, because the reason we would even put the company we worked at out on LinkedIn is because LinkedIn's algorithm then suggests people we might have in common and you never know where that could take you. So leaving it on LinkedIn can be helpful. Maybe, you know, you can remove, you know, Airbus. Right. You were there in 1995. Yeah. I love that you just used that. And I'm trying to decide how to share this because I don't have like, some of my clients are like, yeah, whatever, do whatever on your podcast. And other people are like, no, thank you. I appreciate that. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to decide, but it was connected to Airbus. So one of my clients a couple of years ago was involved in a really, really important technological advancement in the aerospace. And it's so important. And it set up the rust of her career growth, which is just beautiful. She's now headed into retirement. I don't think she's going to retire, but age-wise, she's headed there. <laughs> and having that, even though it was when I was in junior high school, it's crucial to have that on her resume because it explains everything else. Yeah. And so even though it's like 30 plus years, it's so important to have that on there. And so when she fought me on it, when we went back and forth, I was like, oh, that makes 100% sense, right? But in the template that you're suggesting here, that would be first in the key accomplishments mm-hmm. and then have potentially a mirror one line further somewhere in the experiences and then developed on LinkedIn. Correct. Got yeah. it. Okay, fantastic. So what I'm noticing is we've already had a half an hour conversation and I have heard from a lot of my listeners that 30 minutes is about as far as they can go. And this has been so rich. So how about if you would be open, would you be open to having another conversation about LinkedIn? Oh, I would love to. I love LinkedIn. Yes. I would be delighted to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. See, this is why we work with the service providers who have the proven knowledge, experience, and expertise, right? And why we check people. All right, awesome. Then we're going to leave you on a big 
spoiler no not spoiler what's it called hanging what's it called i don't know if we agatha christie did it would be a um cliffhanger we're gonna leave you on a cliffhanger but the next episode is going to be all about linkedin i am so excited kate this is really exciting thank you so much thank you so much nicole it was an honor to get to talk about this today and it's it's so much fun i love talking resumes and it's clear you're an expert and you gave us so much so much content all right then catch us in the next episode everyone bye Before you go, you can deepen and expand what you're experiencing here on the Celebrate Brave podcast by working directly with me through bespoke, results-oriented one-on-one coaching that is rooted in my proven Build Your Brave framework. As of the last client survey completed in Q1 2023, 75% of my clients from the past two years report they reached their unique goal. 100% of my clients, yes, 100% report they stress less as a result of working with me. 56% report working less and 43% report earning more. You learn how to spend less time ruminating and stressing yourself out by getting clearer and calmer within a mindset approach that is simple, effective, and specific to you. Then we work together to end the habit of overworking and overproducing by crafting a plan of momentum specific to your goals and strengths. I support you as you execute your plan, including the skills and knowledge necessary to succeed in your own accountability. And finally, you step away from the all-too-common pattern of under-earning and make the shifts towards being well-paid in your industry, using the clarity and momentum to ensure you become the woman you want to be at work and in your life for real. Go to tricksteinbach.com to learn more and schedule your free, no obligation consultation. Link in the show notes. You can stress and work less while you earn and live more by building the skill of bravery. Talk soon.